0: Right. I'm glad to hear you love me. <laughs> uh, actually, I want to just give a little announcement uh, before we jump into the message and uh, rather than doing it at the end, I, I, because I'd probably forget it. I, I, you probably have never heard me share something like this because I, I can't remember ever doing so. Uh, first of all, <coughs> we just got back, as you know, a few weeks ago from Japan and the generosity of, of all of you was amazing. Uh, we were able to raise um, the whole team was able to raise the money for their trips. There was 11 people. And of course, I had to raise money for my wife and two kids, So, four of us. It was over uh, $11,000. And that all came in, uh, much of it from, from you as individuals, as well as uh, I, uh, I uh, sought donations from outside of the church as well. So, uh, In fact, we had enough that I was able to leave a generous gift with the uh, Sagers who were there. <coughs> None of that money came out of the church's uh, A general fund came out of the church's funds. It was all raised separately, so I was really happy about that, Uh, that, and that was great. It was amazing, but uh, what I want to announce is that uh, uh, the general fund uh, is actually in the red, um, and this rarely rarely happens, (coughs) uh, and it's for a number of reasons. Obviously, there's a lot of financial difficulty going on, but uh, we only have this Sunday and two more Sundays, and we're in the hole by uh, a little over $5,400, $5,400. So even if we have a really good offering today, you know, that might get us to zero. <laughs> you know, and so if you would prayerfully consider... uh Helping the church by uh, donating maybe a little extra or whatever, just whatever God puts on your heart. This Sunday and the next two Sundays, I would really appreciate not being in the red starting the new year off. Is it all right? So I'm just making it known. All right. Would you join with me in a word of prayer? Father, we thank you that your grace is sufficient, that you are the provider of all things, including your wonderful word that leads us and instructs us and teaches us of your goodness. And so Lord, open our hearts and minds to receive from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, last week we started about uh, uh, the series on Christmas, this being December, and really about telling the story. And we're going to this week uh zoom in uh, to another scene and and the whole month i just want to kind of like zoom in to different scenes within the Christ, uh, with the christmas story so that we can see a little more closer uh, close up view of it and get the details and and we're going to look at the uh, the scene that's recorded in Luke chapter 2 verse 8 through 20 so we're going to read through this uh first and then talk about it Luke chapter 2 8 through 20 i'm going to read it out of the new king james are you ready <laughs> okay For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angel's had gone away from them into the heaven. But the shepherds said to one another, Man, did you see that? No, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, that wasn't there. I know. Rewind. That so the angels said to one another, Let us now go. <laughs> Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass And so it's a familiar story, uh, but it's a very important part of the story. We just want to zoom in on this and talk about it. And, and some of you, if you've had a child or if you've been part of, you know, uh, that moment, you know, in the delivery room and, or even the preparation, child preparation classes, they teach you to, to come with a list of people that you want to call. Uh, who do you call first once the baby is born? Who do you announce it to? And uh, we always had a list, because you, because if you don't have a list, you'll forget something. Did somebody, someone called Grandma Smith. No, oh no, we gotta call Grandma Smith. You know, she'll be all oh, obsession we didn't call her. So often you have a list, uh, and that list is people that are that are important to you, people that you have a relationship with, people that you want to communicate the joy of the birth. And it's interesting for me to see. That on, on God's list, announcing the birth of his son, you know, it wasn't, he didn't announce it first to, to kings or princes. Who did he announce it first to? Shepherds. Lowly shepherds. The first announcement of Christ's birth were the shepherds. And shepherds in that day, it was a, it was a lowly occupation. It was a. they were consider, generally considered vulgar people. It was not an occupation that people aspired to. All right? I don't wanna compare it to any current day occupations because every time I've done that I've offended someone. <laughs> but it's one of those kind of jobs that you know you you do un, until you can get a better job. And so this these were these were just common people, probably uneducated. Very just com, not only commoners, but you know, it's basic, down to earth, uh, regular guys. My voice changed. Hello, it's ringing. There we go. Jesus didn't announce it to worldly authorities. He didn't announce it to kings or uh, princes. He came. Jesus came to save, at uh, the seek and save the lost and the and the meek and the lowly, and that's who He announced His birth to. But I think it also represents something about the character of Jesus and the nature of God that He'd choose to announce to shepherds first. Because here it is, Jesus, the son of David, David, the shepherd boy. The very person that Jesus came to restore and fulfill the kingdom of. He comes as the son of David. David was a shepherd boy, and Jesus comes to restore the kingdom of David and to fulfill all of the promises of that. And, and, and so it kind of kind of echoes that, that motif that we find throughout all of scriptures, uh, all of scripture. The idea of shepherd and sheep. That we are a sheep. He's our shepherd. Um, and, and like like these shepherds were tending and caring for their sheep in the middle of the night. Jesus is that way. He cares for us through the darkest hours. (laughs) Right? He cares for us. And so we just see so much of the nature of God even in this. Well, they're out in the field. They're working in the night. And an angel stood before them. So there's an angelic appearance. It says the angel stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And angels are everywhere throughout Scripture. And the reason you find them all through Scripture is, you know what? They're everywhere. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to talk a little bit about angels because angels are part of the story. And I want to get you all equipped to be tellers of the story, but also what the story means to you. And part of the story is that angels show up. And these shepherds weren't expecting it. They weren't looking for the angels. But angels are part of the story. And angels are around. They're not myths. And they're not embellishments to the story. Okay? Don't believe that. That's the lie. Angels aren't myths. They're not embellishments. Like added little features to make it more interesting. <laughs> These shepherds were out in the field, stoking the fire. And, hey, what are you doing? That stupid cheek. <laughs> yeah. Ah! was this, this guy standing all of a sudden. There was an actual angel standing there. <clears throat> in the Hebrews, it says that angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister uh, for those who will inherit salvation. Who's going to inherit salvation in this room? All those with the hands down? (laughs) No. It's us. The ministering spirits sent to minister to help us. And so angels are real and they're really part of the story. And they show up. It's In the Bible, we see that they appear and stand before people and interact with them. So it's biblical to believe that angels appear and stand before people and interact with them. All right? Does it follow me? It's biblical. All right. One time, I love this story. In, in Acts, the angel smacks Peter. Yeah, I wonder what that looked like. Bam! Angelology, <clears throat> and uh, you know, I didn't pay much attention to angels until about 15 years ago. I heard a teacher talk about it, and, and he had had encounters with angels, and I started to say, "Wow, it's possible." And then I started to see, you know, it's not only possible; it's biblical. It's all through the Bible, and so, but there is a there's a process that, to, that you have to believe that, and you have to to to, to learn how to. Uh, 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 nurture it, or or at least learn how to be aware uh, and not miss. In fact, the Bible talks about uh, you can miss angels even in your midst. But it was the angel appeared, but it was the glory of the Lord that shone around them. And so the, the big point here is that it wasn't about the angel. Even the angel didn't have his own glory. The angel showed up and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And so the presence of the angel brings attention to God's glory. All right? And so we don't seek angels, we seek God, but you know what? Angels show up wherever God is, angels are, wherever angels are, God is. All right? And so the angels showed up and God's glory was there. And like the shepherds, this is the application part of it, like the shepherds, we are just regular people. Nothing special, right? Well, maybe some of you are but you know most of us are just we're just going they were just going about their day-to-day job and it was right there that the angel showed up and they were chosen to receive the announcement and the glory of God God can show up angels can show up glory can show up that's the christmas story to who to regular people to you keep your eyes open Luke 2:11 what did the angel say says, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. The message of Christmas is that Jesus is three things. He is a Savior, He is Christ, and He is the Lord. And so if you're going to tell the story, you have to get this story right in your own life. You also have to tell this. This is part of the story. It's not just about Santa Claus. It's not just about Jesus coming on, you know, as a baby. It's about He came as Christ. He came as Savior. And He came as Lord. Savior means deliverer. Preserver. Uh, the one we're dependent upon for deliverance. You know, someone that's trapped needs someone from the outside to set them free. I realized this some time ago, you know, someone that's possessed by a demon needs someone to set needs a deliverer. They can't get free. They need a deliverer. If you're if you're possessed by sin, you need a deliverer. You need a savior. And 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 mankind as a whole was was ruled by sin, entrapped by sin. Caught in death. We couldn't get ourselves out. And Jesus comes as the Savior. He's the one that breaks through the dark and reaches in. And But this is difficult for mankind as a whole and for you and I as individuals to accept. And let's just deal with it. It's difficult to come to the place where you have to say, I am not able to handle this on my own. Because as humans, we have this built-in tendency to say i can handle it now some people are like well i choose not to handle that i choose not to handle that but there's somewhere in your heart where you say i can handle this all right are you hearing me this is not just for the type a personalities that know they can handle everything (laughs) at least i think so all right it's for everybody you have to get, to, but mankind as a whole had to get the place to hear the message of the story that Christ Jesus, He's the Savior. He's the one that comes in from outside and and uh, to deliver us, to save us. We needed someone to come in, and He's the one. The second thing He is is that He's Christ, and Christ means the one anointed. Okay, it literally refers to the pouring of oil on the head of the priest. It's the anointed one. And that pouring of oil means two things, that he was selected. He's unique in position and place and power, but it also is an empowering. There's an, an, an endowing of power. There's a transference of, 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 of power that comes through the anointing. We even talk about that today, you know, especially in the Pentecostal charismatic tradition, you know, someone was really anointed. You know, that, that, that word anointed is Christ. It's the same word. And so, <clears throat> he is The selected, the long-awaited Messiah, the one that for thousands of years, from Genesis chapter 1, the story begins with the promise of the Savior that would come, the Messiah. Even in the story of the fall, uh, where it talks about you know, the serpent, uh, he'll bite your heel, but uh, uh, he will crush uh, his head. And so the promise of the Deliverer starts out right in the first chapters of Genesis. And through all of the story, it leads up to this one, and this is the one. Jesus is it. He's the Messiah. This is the moment. But this is also hard to accept to, for, for a particular reason. Because there's one. He's the Messiah. He's the Christ. And part of the Christian Christmas story is that Jesus is the Christ. He's the anointed one. And you have to accept him. And so there's in essence there is an exclusivity. And that Jesus is exclusively the only Savior. And you have to come into relationship with Him. But the flip side of that is is that as the exclusive Savior, He is inclusive. He comes to save everyone of every race, of every tribe, of every nation. There are no divisions in Christ. So there's one door, but that door is open for all who respond in faith for all who simply believe that He is the Christ, that He is the Savior. the third thing is, so He's exclusive, but He's also all-inclusive. The third thing is that He is our Lord. And this means, is the hardest thing to accept of all, it means that He's the Master. The word literally means that He is He to whom a person or thing belongs. He to whom a person or thing belongs. It was the same term used for the uh, Roman emperor, a supreme ruler. Bottom line is, you belong to him. Well, that's kind of hard to deal with. Because most people think they belong to themselves. Keep your hand off my body. Who are you to say that to me? Well, Jesus is like, hey, I'm Lord. I own it all. He's the the one to whom we belong. And you know what? That's actually not optional. Because He just is Lord. You're not Lord of hardly anything. (laughs) Bottom line, come on. You know, if I was Lord of myself, I wouldn't have a bald spot. You know? Thank God, I got hair, but you know it's great. There are a lot of things I changed in my life. Come on, but we walk around thinking we're Lord. Jesus says, you can't even decide how tall you are. You can't change the color of your hair. You, know, you can dye it. You can dye it temporarily. <clears throat> He's the Lord. He's the one to whom we belong. We belong to him, celebrating Christmas in its true meaning, demands that we accept His Lordship. So, as part of the story that we're to tell and as part of the story that we're to really apprehend for ourselves, as He came as, as Savior, He came as Christ, but He came as Lord. He's the ruler. And you belong to Him. I belong to Him. His building belongs to Him. Planet Earth belongs to Jesus. Listen, that means everywhere I walk on planet Earth, it's Jesus. And if there is a, if there's a spirit there that is in opposition to God's will, they lose. Alright? Are you hearing me? This is important stuff. But listen, the Lordship, when you come into submission to the Lordship. See, the Lordship is not optional. But your submission is optional. You have the choice of whether you're going to submit, that you're going to receive His Lordship or rebel against it. Whatever you do, He's still Lord. But it will affect how you, what you receive. If you receive His Lordship, then what happens is something that's actually quite astounding. Because then He transfers His Lordship onto you. And His anointing onto you and His salvation unto you. Coming into relationship with Him as Lord enables you, positions you to receive that as you bow in worship, He says, great, someone I can share my authority with. Someone I can share my anointing with. Someone I can share salvation and wholeness. That you are made whole. There's nothing lacking in your life. Because you're in relationship with Jesus Christ, He is the Lord. Another, another way that the word Lord can be translated is, is the bread giver. He's the provider. Okay? Yeah, yeah, we belong to Him, but He provides for us. So coming into Lordship, you think, well, it's, it's about submission. It's really not. It's about, man, it's about getting in position to where you can walk in the authority that you were created to be. Alright? To have. And, you can, and then you can then represent, you can represent Christ, His authority, His anointing, right? And His salvation wherever you go. I think that's pretty good. Hallelujah. Give me an amen. So, Luke 12, uh, pardon me, Luke 2 12, verse 12 says, The angels continue, and they say, And this will be assigned to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Well, you know, we've made this story so nice and 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 cleansed it all that we don't even know what a manger it was. But a manger, this is a this is a a, a reproduction. <laughs> this is an old reproduction, huh? It, it's missing. It was it was it was a, it was a big baby. <laughs> yeah, we don't know the dimensions that Jesus was born doing. nine pounds, nine ounces, twenty-three inches. Yeah. I'm just joking. Uh, So what was a a manger? How many know what it really was? Uh Uh-huh. It was a feeding trough. You know, oh, nice little baby. That's fine, a feeding trough to put it in. I grew up, we had livestock. I know what a feeding trough looks like. They're not pretty, they're not cute, and you don't want to put a newborn baby in them. Okay, but that's all they had. Right, because she, she was born in 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 a in a, uh, in a barn. <laughs> he was actually born in a cave. Most people don't realize that they they kept their animals in caves. It was most likely a cave. We're not 100 percent sure, but well, what might this say? I think it's very powerful. I never made this connection till not long ago. In John 6:51, Jesus said this about himself. He said, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. We celebrate that in communion, right? We eat his body and drink his blood. John 6.53, it says, Jesus said to them most assuredly, Jesus said this, to the people in His church following Him. He said, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats My flesh and drinks My blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For My flesh is food indeed, and My blood is drink indeed. He who eats My flesh and drinks My blood abides in Me. And I in him, as the living Father sent Me, I live because of the Father. So he who feeds on Me will live because of Me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. Who eats this bread will live forever. Even in Christ's birth, the place of His birth foreshadowed, represented what His purpose was. Mm -hmm. To be the bread that we are to eat. We were to feed, and in that, just like the animals, their life was sustained by what they ate. Out of the uh, the trough, were sustained. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. Yeah. <coughs> Testimony of the shepherds. Let's move on. The shepherds respond to this encounter by doing three things. <coughs> uh, I'm going to read Luke two fifteen through seventeen. First, it says they they went to see. All right, everybody say see see. see. Say, C.C. Say, C.C. Writer. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's second service. I get a little goofy. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> okay, and the angels just slap me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Luke 2.15. Just read it, Cameron. Out of the message. The message is great. He amplifies it a little bit. It says, And the... As the angel choir withdrew into heaven, the shepherds talked it over. Let's go to Bethlehem as fast as we can and see for ourselves what God has revealed to us. They left running. In other words, they took off running and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Seeing was believing, he says. And they told everyone they met what the angels had said about this child. Okay, so they had to see it. They heard about it, but they had to see it. There was something in them that wanted to see it. I mean, would not you? Yeah. The angel said that, and the th- Bethlehem is just down the road. Let's go! No, they wanted to see it. There was earth. It's just like Simeon and Anna I talked about last week. That they they were looking. It says that they were looking for the Messiah. They were looking for the long-awaited one. They were they had their eyes open. There was something about seeing that they were ready. And these these shepherds wanted to see. You know, uh, <clears throat> they didn't want to they didn't want to miss their chance. Okay, to see this miracle, this astounding thing. And like the shepherds, we need to be ready to see. Okay? We need, and I, I really believe, please kind of tune in here. So there's, a, there's something significant about beholding Jesus. You know, when you fix your eyes on that wonderful face, right? The things of this world. I don't forget the words of the song grows strangely dim. you know. Beholding Jesus. We look into His face. And there's, there's a truth about seeing Jesus. I'm rereading again. Uh, I love A.W. Tozer. He's a fantastic man of God. Uh, lived uh, about 100 years ago. <coughs> he wrote the book, The Pursuit of God. And the whole of chapter 7 is about this. It's free online. You can download it. It talks about the idea of seeing God. And he writes in there, he says, the looking and the believing are the same thing. That's why the message translates that seeing was believing. The looking and the believing was the same thing. Tosa so is trying to define what faith is. It says Israel looked with their external eyes. Believing is done in the heart. And I love this is the quote. Faith is the gaze of a soul upon a saving God. All right? So they see. You've got to be ready to see. The, the, the shepherds went to see. The second thing they did was they worshipped. Luke 2.20 in the message says, the shepherds returned and let loose. okay, Glorifying and praising God for everything that they had seen and heard exactly the way it had been told. They let loose in worship. And like Anna last week we saw, she let loose in worship. When you encounter Christ, there should be a response. It should generate something in you that says, wow! Wow! All right, and said, worship is not just some oh a nice worship song. No, we li- I like nice worship songs. Okay, it's great to express worship through music we like, but that's not the only aspect of worship. Worship is a lifestyle that 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 reflects and and amplifies and proclaims that you th- the the worth that you see in the person of Jesus Christ worship is about displaying his worth declaring his worthiness all right and everything you do is worship it's either worship or it's not worship but you can implement that that whatever you do you do it because you're so excited about Jesus and you've seen him you know if you were those <laughs> if you were those shepherds and you just seen all that you'd be excited right and that would just come out of you and it's the same thing what you've seen it's something to get excited about. It's something that should generate worship. You know, too often we just allow it, you know, life to generate complaining. But we we need to look at Jesus and and have it generate that worship. The third thing they did was they told the story. In the New Living Translation, verse 17 and 18, it says, After seeing Him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. And all who heard the shepherds' story were astounded. <laughs> Anna did the same thing. Anna, last week we saw, she went door to door. You know, She went throughout Jerusalem, possibly throughout the whole nation of Israel, telling everyone about that the Messiah had come. The shepherds here, they told everyone. Can you imagine? They told everyone. We were out, we were just taking care of the sheep. No, really, listen to this. We were sitting there, there's a campfire, the sheep were over there, and all of a sudden this dude just came out of nowhere. Alright? And he was like, shining. You know, right? And, and he started talking to the son of David, and all of a sudden the whole sky was filled with these angels. And I'm like, wow! And then we ran, and the baby was right there, and, and then we came back, and it was exactly, and we were praising God. Right? They would just go, tell everybody. And that's exactly what they did. They told everyone. They didn't predetermine who they were going to tell. They didn't, based on whether or not you know, they felt worthy. Are you hearing me? Right? Listen, we're talking about the lowly people. The people with, uh, that were disrespected. They didn't allow their own opinion of themselves limit who they told the story to. Okay, they'll never listen to me because I'm just a stuffed shepherd. In fact, I stink. You know? They didn't care. You know why? Because it was so amazing. They told everybody! Neither did they care about the person they were talking to. They didn't allow the reputation of the person they were talking to. You know, prostitute, priest, king, soldier. Hey, did you... i got to tell you this! You're not gonna believe it. This is what happened. This is what happened. This is what happened. Is what happened. And said they told everyone. So we need to be like the shepherds. We need to tell everyone. Tell everyone what? The story. What story? The story about Jesus. That he came as, as as a savior, as the Christ, as Lord, that he came, that the angels announced it. All of the story. You know, people know a little bit of it, maybe, but they don't know the whole story. Who's gonna tell them? You are! Who do you tell? Everyone. What do you mean by that? <laughs> number one reason I used to be in sales, the number one reason people don't make it in sales is they they uh they, they limit who they talk to. It's called pre qualifying. Inappropriate prequalifying. There's in other words they say, Well, that person's not gonna buy this because, you know, they're probably too poor or they don't have enough money or uh, you know, whatever reason, they make all the kinds of reasons why. So even if you end up talking to the person inside, you already don't think they're gonna bu- they're gonna buy what you're selling because you convince yourself they're not gonna buy it, right? <clears throat> or you just you you look at them and go, you know, if you're selling, uh, you know, someone comes in and it, you just look at someone you think they don't have much money, you know, you take them to the least expensive item and say maybe they'll buy this. You never know. The guy could be a multimillionaire. You know? And you've you got to not pre-qualify. And you've got to present the right information to everyone. Right? And the reason people aren't getting saved in your life is because you're not telling them. Because it's not your job to decide who gets to hear the message. It's your job to tell the message. Well, I don't know if they'll, you know i got a bad reputation. They know some things about me. All the better. Well, they'll never listen to me. They're so wrapped up in their own thing. All the better. See, it's not your job to decide who you tell. It's just your job to tell. Well, Cameron, are you saying we need to tell everyone? Well, yeah. Come on. And maybe you can't tell every single person you encounter. But I bet you could tell about a thousand percent more than what you're doing. And if you said it as your goal, I'm going to tell everyone, you'll get a lot closer to reaching that goal. Than if you say, well, if God, if God, I mean, the prayer, God, do you want me to witness to this person? Is like the most stupid prayer. Sorry. Okay, I'm over now. I'm I'm sorry. I've prayed that prayer too. And I've been in that place. God, if you want me to say something to this person, do this. God's going, You know the story. Don't worry if you don't get it right. Okay? Don't worry. You've experienced something of Jesus, just tell him that much. And it's not your job to convince them. See, that's the Holy Spirit's job. All you've got to do is tell them if they say you're crazy, see, yeah, I think so. <laughs> Sarah's got some announcements. <laughs>